Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Man, for those of you that are a little bit older like myself, how do you guys remember the Jetsons? Remember like uh, the Jetsons? Like, we're living in 2022. That's crazy, right? Like, that is, man, for us old people, I thought we'd be living like the Jetsons in 2022. But it still feels like the 90s in some ways, other than the internet and stuff like that. But, uh, man, it's a new season for us here at Freedom Church. And it's our first Sunday service in our new facility. And I want to thank everyone for praying for serving, for giving, to make this happen, it's pretty cool. And, and what's really exciting, usually at the beginning of the month we get ready and we send off all our bills, but we didn't send off this month a check for $15,700 for lease and a rent payment. We are here, and thank you, Jesus. That's money that can go to missions and ministry and all kinds of stuff. And as you saw if you were here for Christmas Eve, now we have floors. I'm going to think the floors look pretty cool. That We didn't have floors there. And... Uh, Every week you're going to see some stuff that will come in. And let me just show you some new things that we're working with. Man, we're going to get, uh, we're getting ready to build a brand new drum cage. Get out there. We've got sound panels that are going to be coming in. One of our top priorities is to get, this is a, this building is kind of tubular and it's kind of challenging to get sound. So be patient with us and the sound and the team as we get that thing rolling with that. We'll have all our kids' church services will be open next week too. So we're working through that too. Also our live stream will be open. We'll have a cafe. We'll be uh, set up in the middle of January. And some of you guys, I see you're frustrated. said, I didn't want these hard uh, dark chairs going to be. I thought we'd get new chairs. New chairs will be coming in by January as well too. So, so many things that will be taking place. A lot of us stuff that's happening and it's all because of your your faithfulness and your giving and all the money that you've given in the past to the building campaign we just kind of like turned it around and put all the renovations into this so that's why this is happening like pastor me where do we get the money you gave it a long time ago thank you for that and i appreciate you guys for that and the cool thing about this is through your faithfulness and your giving and we're part of the big c church and god's doing some awesome things and because of you and we've set it up, like, I found out, just found out uh, this week that another church is going to be taking our old lease place. That's pretty cool, right? We put a lot of money into that. I'm so glad a church is, is going in there. And some of you remember way back in the day that when we first tried to lease that space, they didn't want to lease it to a church because the previous two churches that were there didn't pay their bills. They got locked out for lack of payment, and they didn't want to work with the church. But I told them, please let us lease it. We'll pay it on time, every time. And tomorrow I'll meet with the property manager. We go we'll walk through the whole place, get our uh, deposit back. And he wrote me this email as I was setting up that time. This is what he said. You, your staff, and your church have comported yourselves with extraordinary integrity. Even in the face of difficulty, much uncertainty, and personal loss, you are a credit to the church for which you stand. I most sincerely wish you good fortune and blessing that your exemplary uh, behavior and, and everything merits uh, God's blessing in this next chapter. Man, property manager doesn't even know Jesus kind of took that. That's pretty awesome. And, and also... The realtor that we were working with, you guys see Don Quick and Darren Quick, their names are everywhere. Uh, Darren Quick's a friend of ours through all this, and he's a realtor for them. And this is what he says, Benito, we very much appreciate the example you have been to other churches. 
we wish you the best in the future, and we will always hold you in high esteem, and it was great to work with you. How many of you guys know when you pay your bills on time, when you say what you're going to do, we make an example, and we spread Jesus in every set of that. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for your faithfulness. And now the place that didn't want to rent to churches is now wanting to rent to churches because of your nine years of track record, and that is a pretty awesome thing. And, and, and as I stand here, it's kind of surreal that we are worshiping our, our first Sunday service in our own building. It, it just, I was just kind of letting that sin in. And if you remember, last year I, I kind of got up at the beginning of the year and I said, guys, by the end of the year, by the beginning of 2022, we will be in our own building. Remember I said that? I, I just didn't think it was going to look like this. Man, I'm like, Lord, if you would have woke me up, I'm like, uh, Lord, this is the wrong location, the wrong place, same people. It's just like it, nothing worked as we thought. Like the whole plan, how many of you guys know sometimes when you follow God, his plan is always better than your plan? And sometimes you're like, God, like I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what's taking place, but I, can, I know this, that God is always trustworthy. And this morning as I was getting ready, actually throughout the week, actually about a month ago when we were planning this, we're like, usually I, I don't preach the first Sunday of the year and, and everything, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to preach the first Sunday of the year because I believe the Lord has a message for you. It's not a live stream, but everybody that came, bear the cold. I believe this is a powerful message for you. I know God moved powerfully in the first service. And, and this is the message I feel like God's letting me to preach. He told me to preach you a message on trust. And I actually preached this message at our groundbreaking last year but it's incomplete. Now I get to preach the complete version of this message. Because in the middle of this building project, the middle of this journey of, of, of trying to get to our new place, especially in the last seven, several years, the Lord told me this one word. He said, Benito, trust me. And I remember he woke me up in the middle of a 21-day fast in 2020, and he brought me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I felt the words, trust me, pulsating in my spirit as I read the story of Jehoshaphat. And it was through this story that God showed me what trust looks like. This story has anchored me in the midst of deep discouragement and dead ends. And Lord, where are you? Because if there's one thing that we got to learn more than anything else is we got to learn to trust God. The currency of any relationship is built on trust. And trust, if God is ever going to do something in your life, you have to build trust. Like, if you can have a relationship with your wife, you can have a relationship in business, if you can have any type of successful relationship with any person, you have to learn to trust that individual. And if God is going to do something extraordinary and awesome and incredible in your life, if there's one thing you got to do is you got to say that God is worthy of my trust. But trust is something that's challenging. And this morning, this is not just a message that I'm going to be preaching to you. This is not just a message that I am kind of sharing. This is a message that the Lord has actually had me live. There's some messages that you preach, and there's some messages that you live. And, and I also believe that the Lord told me this thing. He said, Man, Benito, this journey that you walk isn't just for you, but it's for the entire church. Because I want them to walk in a place of complete trust with me. So I'm asking you this question this morning. Do you trust God? Like, do you really trust him? Because it's impossible to trust and be in control at the same time. Because the less we trust God, the more we need to control our circumstances. And I would submit to you that most of us, including myself, very much so, we have trust issues. 
Especially when it's come to God. And when we have trust, the more controlling you are, the more you need to control your future and your day and the things around you, that shows that maybe you have some trust issues in a certain life. And so many times because of things that we've been through or people have hurt us or whatever's gone on, we try to control all our circumstances. Especially when you've been hurt. And this morning, first, before we get into the message, here's what I want to see. I want to see how many control freaks we have in the house. So we're going to take a quiz. Do you ever feel, if you, if you, here's the first question, do you ever feel that you have to help other people drive? If your answer is A, only when asked, I never help people drive. Or B, only when they're doing it wrong. If you tell people when to turn, if you tell them where to park, if you tell them where to go, if you tell them they're going too fast or too slow, you might be a control fleet, just saying. Kind of pointed out if you're pointing to a, if you're sitting by a control freak right now, you're like, oh man, I need to hear this, or like my spouse needs to hear this this morning. <laughs> now, my second question is this How many unread messages are currently in your email inbox right now? If your answer is A, triple digits, probably mostly junk, or the answer B, as of five minutes ago, none, but uh, let me check real quick. <laughs> if your answer is B, you might be a control freak. Here's this third one. This is really going to reveal your control issues. How do you react when somebody loads the dishwasher improperly? Some of you are like me. There's a wrong way. Or B, I weep for humanity and I reload it properly. If your answer was B, you have control issues. And I know I'm saying this to be funny, but here's my challenge to you. The more God works in your life, the less control you're going to have. You've got to come to a place of surrender. But it's hard. How do we trust God? How do I know that God is with me? How do I know that he's leading me? And several years ago in the January of 2020, the Lord gave me an acrostic for trust. And I believe that the Lord wants to use this in your life. I want to pray for you. How many of you guys say, God, I want to learn to trust you more in 2022? There's one thing that we need to do is we need to trust the Lord. So let's pray. Say, God, uh, expose my control issues. Show me areas where I try to control things. And, Lord, teach me this morning through your word to trust you. Amen. Here's the thing about life. You realize that most of life is beyond your control. You can't control when you get sick. You can't control uh, how your kids act. You can't control how your wife. You can't control anything. So how do we respond to a world that's out of our control? We submit to the God who is in control of everything. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's a story about trusting and giving control to God. The story is about a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. How would you like to be called Jehoshaphat everywhere you go? That's like, that's a horrible name. Like, I would just have a nickname. Let's call him J-Fat. Yo, what's up, J-Fat? But can you imagine the name of j Hey, fatty, come over here for dinner. But, and for, but for, for the real, Japhat was a good king. We'll call him that. He led the nation of Israel into a spiritual revival. If you read the book of 2 Chronicles, and in 2 Chronicles 19, man, he, the word of God is going out. People are repenting. He's restoring this passion for Yahweh in there and God. And God is doing some amazing things through uh, King Jehoshaphat. The nation is in revival. God is moving. How many of you guys know we need a revival in America like never before? We do. But can I tell you this? 
Before we need a revival in America, we need a revival in our own hearts. And in this 21-day fast, here's my prayer. Let's don't ask God to send revival to anybody else. Let's let's spend this 21-day fast saying, God, send revival to me. Because if there's revival in our heart, it will spread to everybody around us. And so many times we can't be concerned about all the stuff happening there. If God is going to move and if we're going to be part of God doing something awesome, revival starts right here with every one of us. So that's what happened. God, God got a hold of Jehoshaphat. Revival started spreading. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is where we pick it up. This takes place after a powerful move of God. After this, he says, after what? After a big spiritual awakening, after a powerful move of God, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Minyanites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And the king came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. Jehoshaphat is there. These three enemy armies are coming against him. They're going to attack his kingdom, Judah. They're surrounded. Jehoshaphat or King Japhat, he has to be stressed. He's got this tiny little ragtag, powerless army, and this great military force is surrounding him. He doesn't stand a chance. He's about to be roadkill. And here's what you got to understand. When you start following God, after big victories come big obstacles. Man... As we go after God this year, let me tell you, there's going to be opposition. Je- Jesus said it like this. In this world, you'll face trouble, but take heart. I have ever I've overcome the world. And whenever God starts doing something in your life, the enemy, or sometimes it might be God stretching you. But either way, God wants to grow you. But here's what I want you to know. Opposition is a normal part of the Christian walk. In this year, as you surrender to God, like Pastor O.C. says, as you say, God, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to seek you, I'm going to commit to that. Guess what happened? That next week, just so you can bank on it, everybody's going to invite you to dinner or lunch, and they're going to want to pay for it. You're going to start working on your marriage, and we're going to get closer to God. You're going to end up having the biggest fight ever with your wife. You're going to say, God, I am going to pursue your plan. I'm going to put you first in tithing and offering. Your car is going to break down. But it's all right. Because God wants to grow your faith. God wants to move through you. And sometimes it might be the enemy's doing. Sometimes it might be God stretching you. Sometimes it just might just be the randomness of life. But obstacles come after big victories. And in 2018 and 2019... We saw God do some amazing things in our church. He performed so many miracles. You remember, we were praying and fasting and asking God to give us a piece of property. We found a piece of property on Sandbass Road, 11 acres, had several houses, and it was set up in a place and in a way where we could be able to get the homes, and that would pay for our mortgage, and we could build, but we needed about $100,000 in a month. It was June of 2018, and I said, Lord, how are we going to do this? So we got the contract, and we, we were getting ready to move, but we needed the money to activate the loan. So we needed $100,000 in a month. Remember that? Not only did God provide $100,000. He provided $160,000 in that time period, and God provided a way for us to get a piece of property in the middle of Round Rock. It was an awesome moment. And then if you remember, literally a month after this, there was a businessman who I had never met at the time. He said, I believe in what God's doing. I heard about what's happening there. He wrote us a check for $250,000 to start building the building there. And it was awesome. And God was moving. It was undeniable. This stuff just doesn't happen. God was at work. There was no doubt that God was guiding and providing. Then opposition came. 
It came from any, every corner. And as many miracles and as everything that we saw just God moving the Red Sea, all of a sudden it closed up. And this is how it felt. It went like God was guiding me to all of a sudden God was ghosting me. Have you ever been there? Like you're praying and you're asking God and he's leaving you unopened. You keep on sending him message and it's open, open, open. Like, like, where are you, God? Lord, I thought you were there. It was undeniable, God. You did this. Lord, we wouldn't have got here without you. But Lord, why are you leaving me here? Where are you? And all of a sudden, I felt like Moses must have felt. All those miracles, all those signs and wonders to get him out of the hand of uh, Egyptian slavery, all only just to see a Red Sea in front of him, mountains all around him, and an enemy army coming behind him. But here's what I know about obedience. Obedience will ultimately and often put you in a place where you need a miracle. Here's the reality. As Christians, we want to walk with God. We want to see God do amazing things. We want to see God do miracles. But we don't want to obey and put ourselves in a place where we need a miracle. If you read the Bible, man, people were in, people experienced miracles when they put themselves in crazy positions. Man, Daniel was about to be a Chick-fil-A sandwich for a bunch of lions because of his obedience to God. David was in front of a giant. All because of their obedience to God. And oftentimes, our obedience will lead us to opposition. And our obedience will put us in places where, like, unless God shows up, we are in trouble. You still want to obey God this year? That's where God leads us, to trust him, to follow him. And what happened to us? We, we, were, we did our research. We talked to several churches. There was this highly recommended contractor that had built churches all across the area. And he told us, we, we gave us a bid, gave us these different things, submitted to our bank. He told us that we would be able to build a building. We bought the property for $1.1 million, put the $100,000 down, and he, we would build a building for $1.9 million. We got all the work done. We got everything set up. But then when everything was done, he came back and he switched through. He gave us a different price. You know what the price was? $3.8 million. Like how many of you guys know it's pretty drastic when the price goes up $2 million? He said he miscalculated the site work in that particular place because there was so much rock. Talk about a heart attack moment. You're told one price, then it doubles. We're $2 million short. I, I felt so overwhelmed with the situation. We met with the building committee, with the elders, with, with, with just the builder discussing opportunities. We had to end up going different ways. And we started contacting builders all across Texas and the country to see if we can find a price to work and make it work in that situation. Nothing was working out. Everything was over our budget. God was closing door after door after door. I felt so strongly. We felt so strongly that God was guiding us. And all of a sudden, he's ghosting us. God we're following you here. Lord God, where are you? We're in this place, Lord. Where are you? What happened? Have you ever been there? Like your obedience puts you in a place where you're like, God, you're gone. And on top of that, we also find out that they miscalculated a tree, and there was a monarch tree right where we're going to build a church. I'm like, remember that? We did a little uh, Jericho march around that, and they let us finally take down that tree, which is a good thing that we can sell it for builders to do that. But, um, but everywhere I went, I felt pressure. People asking me, when are you going to build? When are you going to build? When I went out to eat, city leaders, oh, Pastor B, when's Freedom Church going to build? We're so excited for you guys. Just, well, never. <laughs> People at the church, oh, man, when are we going to build? We're going to break ground. I'm like, oh, never. I'd go out of town, see pastor friends. Oh, man, it's so exciting what God's doing in your church. You got a piece of property. When are you going to build? I'm like, I wanted to go suck my thumb in the middle of a dark room where nobody saw me because, man, there was pressure everywhere I went. 
felt the pressure. Our movement, the Assemblies of God, the bank, they lend us $1.9 million. You had given hundreds of thousands of dollars. All these things were taking place. Like, Lord, like, what do I do? And I was up a creek without a paddle, hopeless, overwhelmed. Man, here's what I thought to myself many times. I could win a million-dollar lottery, and I would still be a million dollars short with all these things. It's funny, but I was crying at that time. And then on top of all that uncertainty, this thing called COVID hit. Like, oh, Lord! Where are you? God, like, you were there. I prayed, like, un- unless you open this door, close, like, and you open doors that no man can open, and now you seem to be clo- closing doors that no man can open. And as I felt c- completely surrounded, and it was this story that the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Mito, trust me, because when you can't, God can and I told the staff, Pastor O.C. will tell you at the time. I said, God, I don't know, this sounds crazy, but God's going to do something. That's what I feel him telling me. It's going to be so hard, the hardest thing we've ever done because we could never do it on our own. But also it's going to be the easiest thing we've ever done because only God can do it. How is it going to happen? I don't know, but I feel like the Lord telling me that. And God gave me an acrostic through this story to help you and to help me with my trust issues. And we're going to look at what Jehoshaphat did. And no matter what you face, no matter what overwhelming situation comes this year or next year, I believe this is a word. And I, man, and I'm praying into this. Maybe this might even be a book that the Lord wants me to write in the future. Because this, I believe, is a moment how we can learn to trust God. Because how many of you guys know the most important thing that you can ever do in your relationship with God is trust him. So look at verse 3. Alarmed. The Hebrew word kind of gives the connotation overwhelmed. Jehoshaphat, I love this, underline, circle, highlight, smiley face. Michael, you should have remembered that when they were asking questions when I was saying. Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. When you feel overwhelmed, never let a problem intimidate you. Let it motivate you to pray more. The Hebrew word for resolved means predetermined choice. Jehoshaphat made a predetermined decision to turn to God in prayer. And look how he prays. First, he prays to God personally. He starts with himself. But he also realizes that it just doesn't go personal. There's got to be a corporate prayer. He calls the entire nation of Judah to pray and to fast corporately. That's why we're starting the year with a 21-day fast. But Jehoshaphat prays privately. Then he tells the nation to pray and fast corporately. Because when you feel overwhelmed, here's the first thing we learn. We need to trust God. You learn the T is you got to learn to turn to God for help. When we get overwhelmed, we turn to so many things to help. We turn to social media. We turn to friends. We turn to alcohol. We turn to our vices. But Jehoshaphat turns to God. I'll never forget when I planted the church. There was a church planter here in the Austin area, a very successful guy. He was coaching several church planters, and he told me this is going to be the hardest thing you ever do. It's the most difficult thing that you do. And I've seen so many church planters fall off the cliff. And he says, here's what you got to do. Here's the key to church planting. Here's the key to following God, I would say. When tough times come, you're going to go to two places. You're going to go to the old soothers of your soul, 
whatever it was, the old sins, the old things that made you feel happy, that you medicated. It could be pornography, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be food. You're going to go to the old soothers of your soul or you can learn to go to God. And the challenge is when we feel overwhelmed, we go to one or two places. And I want you to learn from the example of Jehoshaphat. He turns to God. And oftentimes it's the first thing that he did. But when we get overwhelmed, it's the last place that we do, go to. You've heard people do it's a hopeless situation. They say this, all we can do is pray now. That's the first thing we should ever do. Prayer should be our first choice, not our last resort. Prayer should be our starting place. If there's one thing that I've learned in this process is the power of prayer and fasting. God can move in a moment through prayer than what I can do in a thousand lifetimes with my human effort. Prayer is how we fight our battles. Turning to God. Joseph resolved to turn to God. And I like what Joseph said in verse 9. This totally spoke to me. Look at this. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we will cry out to you in our distress. In other words, he's saying, no, he's telling the whole nation of Israel, if we go down, if they, sit, if they pierce us with swords, if we go out of here, if we can't make it, if famine comes in, we're going to go down praying, worshiping, and going after God. They're saying, God, you're our only hope, and we're not departing from that hope. And I told God, oftentimes during this season, I said, God, I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. I believe you started this work, and the God who began the work will be faithful to complete it. I know it looks impossible right now, but if I'm going down, I'm going to go down praying. I'm going to go down preaching. I'm going to be doing fasting. I'm going to go down taking the risks. I'm going to go down believing in your presence. And if the church goes down, Lord, this is what I'll do. I'll go to counseling, but I'll get back up, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in your presence and building your house because I know there's no other place to go but you. And let me tell you, in the midst of your difficulties, you you need to put it in your heart. You need to resolve that I'm going to God and God alone for help. And the main reason most of us get in trouble is we go to so many other places. So many other places. And God is our last resort when he should be our first resort in everything that we do. The R is this. Refocus your attention on God and not the problem. T is turn to God for help. R is refocus on God and not the problem. You ask people all the time, how are you doing? And oftentimes you hear this. I'm doing good under the circumstances. Circumstances, my question is, what are you doing under your circumstances? We should be over our circumstances. Here are the things about circumstances. Circumstances is like a mattress. If you get on top, you rest easy. If you get underneath, you suffocate and you're in a tough place. You get over your circumstances by putting your eyes on the one who is over everything. That's God Almighty. By refocusing on how big God is. I want you to notice how Jehoshaphat, Japhat, refocuses his eyes on God through prayer. Look at this. Listen to his prayer in verse 6. Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You're bigger than these little twerps down here. Lord, you rule over all the kingdoms and all the nations. Power and might are in your right hand. No one can withstand you. He's saying, yeah, there's this big kingdom that's come away. There's this powerful army, but I'm talking to the God in heaven. And you're bigger than everything. He's praying, Lord, yeah, this problem's coming at me, but you're bigger than my problem. And the bigger you realize God is, the smaller your problem seems. 
Problems shrink when God expands in your life. But for most of us, our problem is that we let our problems get bigger than God. So how big is God in your eyes this morning? When we refocus our eyes on God, it changes everything. Here's the challenge with us. And I know what's happened to me through this season. We get lost in the trees among the forest. All we see is what's in front of us. All we see are the challenges and the obstacles, and we get overwhelmed. It's kind of like a quarter. If you have a quarter, pull that out. But here's the thing about this quarter. The closer that quarter is in my eye, all I can see is that quarter. It blocks my vision. I can't see beyond that quarter because what happens, it has blurred my vision. It stops everything that's around me. But if I just put that quarter out and I see it in the midst of this room, that quarter gets really small in the midst of the whole the whole place of where I'm at right now, and the same thing with God. So many times we look at our problem, it's like that quarter, it just comes in and it consumes us and we can't see beyond it. But if we would just refocus a little bit, we can know that God is bigger, that God allows us to see his greatness and it allows us to get over being overwhelmed. It kind of happened like this. I was being overwhelmed and I I know one moment I just started to say, Lord, sometimes you got to get a different perspective you got to look at a problem from a different angle. And for many of us, we look at the problem from the same angle. And over, I was getting overwhelmed. I was getting stressed out. I wanted to suck my thumb. But I began to pray and say, God, you've been so good to me. I remember when I came here and I didn't know a single person, Lord, and you connected us to the right people. I remember that first Christmas. And that first Christmas, we had no money, no resources. I was making $12 an hour. I didn't know how we were going to provide money for that. And you caused this random church to call me. They gave me a check for $3,000. They gave me groceries for six months. And if you did it then, Lord, you'll do it again. Lord, I remember when we had no people and we went to the first Sam Bass location and we had 26 people that Sunday. And I wrote, I, I signed a lease for $100,000 in my name. I didn't know how we were going to do it. But Lord, we tripled in size when we were there. God, I remember when we did that building project and we prayed Taekwondo out of there and you moved and then the numbers started growing and we needed 50,000 bucks and you caused the church in Houston to provide that money. God, you are so good. I'm not just seeing this problem right here. God, I'm looking back and God, if you were faithful back then, why can't you do it again? The numbers might get bigger, but Lord, you're bigger than every number. And that's what we got to do. Many of you, we're stuck in the weeds. We're living down here. We're just seeing the financial problem. We're seeing the marital problem. We're seeing the problem at work. We're caught up. We're allowing the quarter to block our vision. And God says, no, man, you got to be above the problem. You can't get above it. But if you would just refocus, you could see that I'm at work. And you'll see life from a whole different angle. Like I didn't realize that it wasn't that God was... Uh, ghosting us he was actually guiding us that he was speaking to a church called new hope and the elders that there was a new season for them and that they had this beautiful piece of property in a building in the best location in round rock i just might say and they said you know what they want to get them connected and he was working on their lives and, and, and it was crazy as we started moving and covid our we had a, I told you last year, we, last year in 2020, we had a record year. We were able to save an extra $300,000. We got another, another $700,000 loan. We were able, okay, Lord, you're moving. You're guiding us along. Okay, this is going to be a $2.9 million property, but it looks like it's going to work out. We got the loan. We got everything set up. And remember, beginning last year, we did a groundbreaking. We called the mayor. Many of you guys were there. We were getting ready to build the church. And what happened is we did this on a Sunday. That next Saturday, it's just six days later, six days of rest. I get another call. Hey, 
Benito, I just want to let you know, uh, we have a little problem. <sighs> What's the problem? The general manager that was working with your, co your contract, he's trying to start his own company. He took all your work. We need to rebid it, and uh, we've got to get everything started again in your project. I'm like, oh, you think the price will change? No, it won't change. Then he called me back a month later. Ah, the price changed $1.1 million. I'm like, oh, shoot me again. Lord, like we got there and now we're up another. Like, Lord, you kept shutting the door. But I didn't know at that moment that Pastor Jason and the elders of New Hope would call us and say, hey, have you broke ground? Have you broke ground? No, we haven't broke ground because they were looking for a church that didn't have a building. And if we had broken ground, then they would have gone to somewhere else. But God was blocking us, blocking it, blocking us, guiding us. So that God would set us up there. And guess what? Today, today we're in a brand new building. And instead of being millions of dollars in debt, we're here debt free because God guides and he directs. And let me just tell you, when when you get up a different point of view, that thing, that relationship, that job that you didn't get, God's at work. You don't see it. You might not know. But if you would just get a different perspective, God is bigger than what you're facing. All we got to do is refocus on the greatness of God. Because in your darkest moments is when God shines the brightest in your life. And what happens is God often always brings us to an end of ourselves so that he can st we can start trusting in him. And I love the Jehoshaphat's prayer in verse 12. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Look what he says. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us, he tells God. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Man, that's been my favorite verse those last two years. I prayed this prayer at least five times a day during the season. I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. God, I, I, how do we fix this? Where do we go? I, I've tried everything in my own power, but Lord, I know I'm not moving anywhere. My eyes are on you. God, I've done everything I could do. I've tried everything. I've tried every angle. But Lord, here's what I do know. I have no power, but you have all the power. And if there's one thing that we need to do, we need to pray that prayer like Jehoshaphat. God, I have no other options, but here's what I do know. My eyes are on you, and they're not coming after you, and they're going to stay focused on you. And if they're on you, it's all going to be okay. What are your eyes on this morning? Would you say, God? Your eyes on the recklessness of your marriage, the dysfunction of your job, are your eyes on the obstacles in front of you? This is what the Lord would say to you. Son, daughter, redirect your focus to me. Put your eyes on me. I'm bigger. And as you continue to read, when we're overwhelmed, are you... And the T is this, we got to admit that our best efforts are useless. It's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. He says, Lord, I can't do it. Our eyes are on you. I like, I like verse 12. He says, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And I love the difference between verse 12 and verse 6. In verse 12, Jehoshaphat goes, we're powerless. But in verse 6, he says, God, remember we read, you've got all the power. And here's what we got to know. You don't have to be in control. You just got to know the one who is in control of everything. Listen to God's response to Jehoshaphat's prayer. Write this down. It's your, God's response to you too. It's verse 15. He said, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And I would submit to you this morning 
Could it be the very reason that we're so overwhelmed is because we're fighting battles that God never meant for us to fight. We're trying to win things on our own strength and our own power. The prophet once said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. See, you can't change your spouse, but God can. You can't fix the situation at work, but God can. We can't fix the state of our country, but God can. You can't, work on your, you can't work on your kids and cause them to act a certain way, but God can. We couldn't get into this building. I couldn't get into a building on our own strength, no matter how much I tried, but God did. And as a pastor who loves you, let me tell you, the reason that you're so overwhelmed is I believe this morning that there are many of you in here that you are fighting a battle that God never intended for you to fight. You don't have the energy, the knowledge, the resources, or the power to win that battle. That's why you're so overwhelmed. And I feel here's a good word for you to start 2022. Some of you, you need to resign as being the CEO and ruler of your own universe and give God his job back. You're not in control. You're not in control. And even if you tried to be, it would destroy you. But there's one who has more than enough power to lift any problem that comes your way. He's the king of heaven. His name is Jesus. And look at what God tells Jehoshaphat in verse 16. This, is, this, this blows me away. March down tomorrow against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the edge of the gorge in the desert of Jeru. And you will not have to fight this battle. He says, you're not going to have to fight it. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. And he says at the end of the verse, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. It's a crazy battle plan. Imagine if General Patton in World War II would have fainted if he got this instructions from President Eisenhower. What if he told him, I just want you to stand there and it's just going to work. But this is what the Lord tells Jehoshaphat. If I'm Jehoshaphat, you know, I'm expecting the Lord to drop the Avengers down from heaven for this battle. Man, just even send me Thor. We're going to win this one. Send me some ninjas or some samurais. But no, it doesn't work like that. Here's the plan. I want you to go stand still and wait for God's victory. And that's what the S says. Sometimes, sometimes as we trust God, there's moments we got to stand still and we got to wait for God's victory. All you need to do is get up and line up and do what God tells you to do. Do you know that one of the most iconic psalms and most po popular psalms in all of Scripture, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God, was written in response to this story. Because in the stillness is when God moves the greatest. I don't like to stand still. I like to fix my own problems. I like to fight my own battles. I took a strength finder's test one time, and I, and I realized that my number one strength is a doer. I'm always doing something. It, it, it always frustrates my wife. My wife loves to plan and think through everything. I like to do it. It's fun for us to watch at the house, even at work. It's just, it's just an interesting dynamic. The Lord uses both our, our, our uh, personalities in different ways. Because I find a sense of accomplishment in doing things. I have a hard time sitting still and having to wait. But here's what I've learned. Sometimes God slows us down to wait and watch. Because we can know that it was God and not us that won the victory. Because if Jehoshaphat, if you and I were out there swinging, fighting the battle, you and I would feel responsible for the victory. Oh, man, you should have seen. I got that sword. I cut like 10 people up. 
I won the battle. Oh, I preached so good. I led so good. I did all these things. But this is what God does sometimes. God says, just stand still and wait. Because I'm going to do something so big, so powerful, so mighty, and I don't want to share my glory with anybody. When this story is told, Jehoshaphat, I don't want to get your little pea brain stuck, caught up in this thing to think that you did it. I want you to realize that it is by my mighty right hand that I brought the victory. And my hand alone. You've got to have faith. And this is the definition of biblical faith. You know the definition of biblical faith? Write this down. The definition of biblical faith is this, to trust and obey. When we're waiting on God, it doesn't mean that we're apathetic, we're just kind of twiddling. No, we're we're doing what he tells us to do, everything he tells us to do. And what it does, it puts us in a position to watch God work. But sometimes we got to stay quiet during that season. My job is to line up for the battle. That's my part. God will bring the victory. That's his part. And so many times I say, Lord, I'll keep on preaching. I'll keep on moving forward. I'll keep on taking that next step. I'll keep on going that one more round. I'll keep on giving you that one more Sunday. That's all you want me to do. But who would I know to then that one week and that one moment, Lord God, that you can set free and you can move and you can catapult and you can lead. And Lord, what looks like it has taken decades, you can fast forward a vision in a moment if we watch you work. And that's exactly what God did. We're here. Like I said, instead of being in debt $4 million like we were planning to be in our new place for 12,000 square feet, we are here renovating this place and we're debt free. And our other property right now, pray that it sells. They ask for an extension, so keep on praying for that. Once we sell that piece of property, we'll probably have about a million plus in the bank to begin to start building the next building. So phase one was building this. Phase two was building the next. Here's what that set us up. Instead of doing phase one and phase two, we're able to renovate this debt-free, and we can go straight into a phase three to prepare for all that God wants us to do. Only God. Only God. And the Lord strike me dead if I ever say, oh, let me tell you how smart I do this. Let me tell you my plan. Let me tell you, oh, no. It wasn't the elders' plan. It wasn't my plan. God did this. God said, Benito, I just want you to keep on trusting me. I want you to keep on in faith. I want you to keep on following me. I know it doesn't make sense, but Lord, I'm working. I'm working. I'm moving. Your job is to be faithful in the little moment. Sometimes I know it doesn't look like I'm moving. Sometimes, Lord, you're just asking me to work. You're asking me to take another step. You're asking me to stand. It doesn't look like it's moving. But guess what? One day God shows up and he does so many amazing things. So only he can get the battle. And ultimately... The battle is God's and it's not ours. And he did what we could never do, Freedom Church. And let me just say this. What God did for this church, I feel the Lord saying this, he wants to do for your life. He allowed you to have a front row seat to this, to see a miracle unfold, to show you how he works. Even in dead ends and closed doors, even when things don't go like we want them to go, He is always in control. He's always trustworthy. Here's the last point for this, for trust. This is so important. The last, the T for trust is we need to learn to thank God in advance. Look at verse 21. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for his splendor and his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they begin to sing and praise and the Lord, who did it? The Lord set ambushes against the men and they won the victory. 
Can you praise God before the victory? This is faith. Faith activates God's power. And this is what I feel the Lord wants me to say. There's many of us that we got to learn to thank God in advance. And I'm not just saying this, calling, name it, claim it stuff. This is, this is what it is. This is, let, me, let me break this down to you. The nation of Israel was caught up in circling for 40 years, what should have been a two-week journey turns into a 40-year debacle. Why? Because they grumbled. Because they saw the problems. And they saw the circumstances. And it poisoned their attitude. And it poisoned their view of God. And it poisoned their heart. And they had to die off, and they never saw the promise, man. That's why it's so important to have a heart of praise and thanksgiving. This is not super duper name and claim and stuff. This is about getting your heart right. This is saying, God, I trust you in advance. I know I don't see it, but I know you're faithful. God, I thank you, God, that you never left me. You'll never forsake me. I thank you that you're always good. I thank you, God, because either you're going to heal me or you're going to take me to be with you, but ultimately you're going to get glory. I thank you, God, that you are worthy through this all because the power of everything is maintaining a posture of praise. And for many of you, you've been wandering around the wilderness. You've been wandering around the challenges. You've been going over and over in the same place because you do not know how to thank and praise God. And that grumbling has you grounded from God's plans and purposes in your life. But praise activates the power of God because he's faithful. One of my mentors, Dr. Royer, he's going to come here this year. You're going to love, he's going to do a spiritual warfare seminar class and how to get free. Powerful class. Make sure you come when he comes. February 20th, I think, is the day. He told me this, I remember all the time as a young boy in Bible college. He said, Benito, trust is the most important thing when you walk with the Lord. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust God till he fails you. Trust him till he fails you. And if he's it, once he fails you, stop trusting him. Okay, so 25 years later, still trusting him. Because he's never failed me. It looks like he's leading me off a cliff sometimes. It looks like you're leading me into something crazy. But no, if I just stay, if I just persevere, if I just stay holding on, I know that God is leading. I know that God is faithful. And I know that God is good because he is trustworthy. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Just, I want you to stand to your feet. I feel the Lord wants to do some work in some hearts. Some of you here this morning say, Pastor, I have trust issues. I need, I need to trust him more. I go to other things other than the Lord. I want to trust him really in 2022. Just raise your hand right there. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Right now, Holy Spirit, show where those trust issues are. Show them. Speak to them. Might be in your finances. Might be in your relationship. Might be at work. Might be in your marriage. This is what the Lord's saying. Quit trying to fix it, son. Quit. I feel this strongly. He says, quit. Give it to me this year. Give it to me. Pray fast. See, watch what I could do. For some of you, that, that's what he's saying. He, Man, you've been trying to fix a problem for so long. I feel this in my heart. 
And he's saying, give it to me. Pray fast. Watch what I can do. That's what he's saying. Let it go. And right now, Holy Spirit, show us areas where we're controlling. That have us frustrated. That have us overwhelmed. That have us feeling hopeless. Say, God, what do you want me to do? For some of us, we're, we're frustrated in our finances. And God's saying, okay, trust me. Tithe. Seek me. Some of you, you're tr- in your, it's in your marriage. It's in your job. Say, okay, Lord, let me learn to serve. Let me learn to care. Let me learn to lay down my life for somebody else. Let me not just learn to think about myself. Let me learn to think about others. And Lord, watch what he'll do. And here's the next thing. I want everybody to raise your hands towards heaven. I want us to be a people of praise and worship going into this new season. Say, Lord, I want to be thankful. Show me where I've been grumbling. Show me, Lord God, where these attitudes, Lord God, are stopping me. Lord, I I trust you. Lord, I thank you. I don't see it now, but I thank you because you're faithful. I thank you because you're good. I thank you, God, because you are the God who began the work and you will be faithful to complete it. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. I thank you because you didn't bring me this far to let me here, Lord. I thank you because, Lord, if I follow you, you will lead me all the way. And just say this, Lord, my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do with this job, with this situation. Just tell him. Just make that resolve in your heart, Lord. My eyes are on you. Let let the Holy Spirit just do a work here for the next several seconds. Lord, we love you. That's the word I feel like you had me share with your people. Trust. And Lord, over the next three weeks, we will pursue you. We'll commit to fast, to pray. We'll commit to know you, God, because we know that every great miracle, every great thing does not happen in human effort, but it comes to the mighty hand of our God. And Lord, we believe for you to do great and mighty things among our midst. You've already done them, but this is just the beginning, Lord. We're not just praying for buildings and financial merit. We ask you for souls. We ask you, God, for drug addicts to know you. We ask you for atheists to know you. We pray that this place would be filled with discipleship and worship and, Lord, missions would go from here. God, make this your house, mighty one of Israel. This is your house. Tell him, and Lord, I am your vessel. Tell him, this is your house, and I'm yours. Do with me what you want. And I am like espresso excited, Red Bull elated for 2022 Freedom Church. I don't know what's going to come our way. Might be some obstacles, obstacles. probably there's going to be opposition. But here's what I do know. Our God is trustworthy. I love you. You have a great week, and we'll see you next week as we begin to start our 21-day Daniel fair. God bless. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.